Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle. The Ellis fumbled the ball. Two on the shot clock. Goes up a prayer. Yes! As he was falling to the ground. It's a three! He shot it literally from the hip. Definitely a highlight. Here come the Billikens. Four on two. McCall. Ellis. Left corner. We missed out. Bang! From way down under. Cody Ellis. Reddick brings low out away from the best. Stolen away by Cody Ellis. One man to beat. To the hole. He's fouled. Layup. Good. Whistle foul. Count the best. Ellis for the reverse. Oh. Through fingertips. What a move. Ellis drops in a bomb. I love seeing Cody Ellis coming out. Feeling good. Ellis. Cody Ellis. Ellis, pull up jumper, Cody Ellis, bang, Cody Ellis, can he stand and deliver, Cody Ellis. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for another week. And we're six weeks into the NBL season. We've got a break now to look forward to, to take stock of things. And that's probably a good thing, Cody, because we've got a lot of things to take stock of. All of a sudden, the Adelaide 36ers are without Craig Randall, which is... I, I would have been amazed if we had anything else to talk about straight off the show this week other than Brady Manic, but yeah. I think I think it might have topped it. So yeah. we'll get to that straight off the show. The Sydney Kings are sitting on top of the ladder despite not being able to make a free throw, Cody. <laughs> Unfortunately, Devondrick Walker's also lost his job. I wonder if we've seen the last of Rayan Rupert at the New Zealand Breakers. Mm-hmm. We've got the fever break now this week to look forward to with a couple of Boomers games. Plenty for us to get through, Cody. I'm looking forward to, to this week's show. I'm Chris Pike, but the man that you've all tuned in to hear from, the former Sydney Kings Nilwara Hawks power forward, the Warwick Senators NBA1 captain, Cody Ellis. This is going to be a... Big week to get through. Yeah, lots to unpack, so uh, looking forward to uh, getting into the meat of it all. We're here thanks to Hoop7 once again, so head to hoop7.com.au for all of your basketball needs, or if you do happen to live in Perth, head to Murray Street in the Perth City to go check out the best basketball store that, that you'll find. So thank you to Jason and his team for making this show possible again, Cody. And like I said from the start, I would have been amazed after Saturday night if we started off this show talking about anything but Brady Manic, but... yeah. All of a sudden, the Adelaide 36ers, the team that he put to the sword on Saturday night, they've taken the cake once again and they're a fascinating club over the last few years that, with the decisions that they make and they've bitten the bullet on Craig Randall, the man who torched the Phoenix Suns only <laughs> only six weeks ago and, and put up 35 points and everyone was talking about how he was on the verge of signing an NBA contract. All of a sudden, he's out of a job. The Adelaide 36ers have parted ways with him as of Tuesday this week. Um, what was your reaction when you found out? Oh, look, a bit of shock, but also not too much shock. It's, uh, it was really, really odd. Look, if you had a said at the start of the season that he would be the first import to get the sack, then I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. But the more the season's gone on and you see how he interacts with, with the staff and, the, and his teammates, um, it's not overly surprising. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think, um, especially in the NBL, you can't have a guy in your team that is going to cause that sort of stuff. Um, you're with each other too much throughout the year. Um, you go on the road trips. You've got roommates. Like you, you basically live with these guys for a five, six months of the year. You can't have someone like that in your, in your team. So, look, I think probably the perfect time for them to do it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they uh, make any moves or if they just 
keep with what they've got because they did play really well uh, yeah. without him. They, they did. There's plenty to get through, and I want to I want to dive you know deeper into it. But first of all, in the in the overall scheme, you you were part of teams that had imports, good and bad, mm-hmm. Cody. In the NBL, it's a different, I think, totally different environment to what you see in the NBA or probably even the G League for some of these players. When you're a club signing an import, how big of a factor do you have to take character into and find somebody that's going to fit into your group chemistry-wise? And then how big of a factor is their pure talent? What's the the ratio like, do you think? Yeah, look, I think it certainly has to come into play. Like, they have to be a decent character to actually make an impact for your club and, and in the league. You know, like I said, like you, you live with these guys for six months of the year. And to have someone come in and be disruptive is, is not good. It's not good. It's not like the NBA where they go on road trips, they get their own room, they kind of, apart from being on the court, they really don't see each other a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's a lot different here. Um, so it, it's almost like a bit of a family. And, um, you know, as, as much as that is a bit of a cliche, but, um, you know, you have to have a decent character. Um, I think, you know, someone that's just ridiculously talented is good for a club, but if they're not a, if they're not a great fit in the group uh, personally and character-wise, then I think it's, uh, it's not a good thing. Can a player be successful in the NBL and have his team win games if they're the sort of player, like Randall turned out to be, where he puts up his own numbers and mm-hmm. gets his own shots and, and, he, and he can put his team on his back at times, but this doesn't necessarily make his teammates better no. around him. Can a player like that in the NBL be successful, especially as a point guard? Oh, look, I think personally they can be a little bit, but the team's not going to do too well. And again, like we saw in the, in the first game of the round when he didn't play, Adelaide played team basketball and they looked really good. You know, And then you put him back in against the Cats and they go back to, to what they were doing before. And ball didn't move as well, um, kind of stuck in his hand a bit, didn't have a great game either, so that doesn't help. And you're going to have games like that doesn't matter how good you are. You are going to have games where sure. you, you can't make a shot. And then it's just a detriment to the team. So, look, I, I, think, uh, I think there has to be that happy medium. I think the most damning thing, like you said, was how good they looked, especially the front court. We always thought coming to this season that Robert Franks and Daniel Johnson could be the best front court duo yeah. in the league. But, unfortunately, when Randall's been in the team, they just haven't been involved in the offense enough. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, Thursday night against the Hawks, they, they were. And um, we chatted with Scott Ninnis about this. Um, in a bonus show last week, if you want to go back and listen. But also, in that game, Franks and DJ combined for 53 points, and they shot the lights out as well, 22 out of 29. They shared the ball too. They combined for eight assists. All of a sudden, Randall back in the team on Saturday night, and they almost go for half the points. They take less shots, and I think the most damning aspect of it was that Randall took 17 shots, and Daniel Johnson only took four. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like you said, Franks and DJ have got to be some of the best big combo that is going around in the league, for sure. Yeah, look, they, them being a focal point, I think, is, is key for Adelaide because obviously there's some really good bigs around the league, but to be able to guard those two is, is tough, especially if they're on at the same time. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough thing to do. So, yeah, look, and taking 17 shots and not, not exactly on a good clip, yeah. again, hurt them. Yeah, you, you know, and, five of 17 as well. Yeah, and I think... Uh, Proof is in the pudding there, and it's, it's, it's not overly surprising that he's gone. I think ultimately a couple of things have probably 
been the final straw with his coach CJ Bruton as well, who's been his biggest supporter. He's talked he's talked him up publicly, he's defended him, but I think there's been two things in the last couple of weeks. There was the incident a couple of weeks ago, just before half time, where he took Randall off the court and all of a sudden Randall spat his dummy and mm. thought he was being yeah. disrespected. And for the next for the rest of that half, see and then even going into the half time break, CJ was just trying to calm him down and tell him that this is just our rotation, yeah. you came off because you came off. And and that took CJ out of his his coaching group in that game. And then on Saturday night, um, I think understandably, because they didn't have a practice in between the two mm-hmm. games this, this round and Randall didn't play Thursday, so they brought him off the bench so they yeah. could keep the momentum going for Thursday. And just reading between the lines of what CJ said post-game, Randall didn't handle that very well at no. all and didn't think he should be coming off the bench. And he just kind of player acting like that. No. <laughs> I, guess, I guess in the NBL, I think, once he lost the support of CJ, that was the yeah. final straw. Oh, absolutely was. And... At the professional level, and he's only been out of college a couple of years, I believe. You know, it's it's a, it's a big change. Again, with his talent, he can be the man on a team, right? But you've got to take into account, you know, how you're playing, how the team's playing. Like at the professional level, wins is is key. You know, like the success of your team is is massive, and that's over any individual performance mm-hmm. and. I think one thing that he's got to learn and, and grow up a bit is, you know, it's, it's not always personal. You no, know, it, the, you, we've seen it throughout the season so far with, with CJ and his rotations. He's had all three imports off at the same time, multiple times, and that's just part of his rotations. And again, you know, timing can be uh, a funny thing with him, uh, you know, taking a bit of an ill-advised shot and then getting dragged. But, but I assume he was coming off already. Well, that's it. That's it. Um, and he's got a... He's got to start to mature and understand that that's, that's just part of it. And if, if you're not playing well either, come sit down for a bit. Regather yourself, get back out there, continue on. You know? And you see it a lot with, it, with young imports, um, thinking that everything's going to revolve around them and it, it doesn't work that way here. Before we move on from Randall, last question. Do you think it's hard to imagine it happening this season, but yeah. at any point, do you think we see him in the NBL again? Uh, I'm not sure. not sure. It's, it's kind of... It's kind of hard to come back from that kind of uh, talk about you. And, yeah, look, it, I think it's going to depend on where he goes and how he does after this. But, look, I think with his talent, it wouldn't surprise me if we see him on an NBA roster at some point. Now, I asked Scott Ninnis this question in our bonus episode we did last week, and he, he blew it off pretty quickly because <laughs> Craig Randall was still part of the 36ers. Now that Randall's not there... How big of a play do they make for Jalen Adams right now? Oh, you would expect that they've been talking to him. I think they'd have to. You'd be silly not to at least have that conversation. In my eyes, he's the perfect point guard for this team because he can score if he has to, but he's a great playmaker for everybody else and there's so many other guys on this team to make plays for. Oh, exactly. I think he'd, he'd fit perfectly, you know, and they want to get out and run and he fits that perfectly. Yeah. So... Be interesting. Be interesting what his price tag would be. I think it'd be a, a fairly substantial one. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, they, I mean, Adams did say that, uh, you know, Sydney's home. So, yes. <laughs> but. Uh, and let's be honest, the Kings aren't making a change. They're going to stick with Derek Wall. Oh, for so sure. For sure. He can't get back to the Kings this season. So, is, is having a job better than having no job at this point for him? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, look, it'd be interesting to see. If he does end up back in the NBL, because I'm sure there'd be a few teams having that conversation. Well, I think there's two others that should be giving him a call if they haven't already. Mm-hmm. The Brisbane Bullets, they've got two, two roster spots open for yeah. the import now. They've parted ways with Devondrick Walker, which I'll get your thoughts on shortly. And I think they could use a genuine point guard. Mm-hmm. 
they don't need somebody that's another another combo guard. They need a genuine point guard, and yep. that's what he is. Melbourne United, I'm not sure it's working with Rajon Tucker. Mm. I'm not sure. I know they've already parted ways with one import, so yeah. it's probably not a great look to part with a second, but it's not working with him right now. He had a tough weekend across two games, even, even including a massive win for Melbourne. He only had 14 points across two games and only took 11 shots, so he's just not involved. Is either Brisbane or Melbourne a potential home for Jalen? Yeah, I, I do think so. You know, I think um, Brisbane could certainly use that. I think Jace has been unreal yeah. coming off the bench and, and uh, being an impact for the Bullets. Um, but to have that, a guy of Adam's calibre on that roster, would again, that would change them for sure. Um, United, tough one. I think, um, you know, with, with Shay Ely slotting back into that lineup, that's a tough one because he's kind of your main... Your main point guard, really. And Redden Mays has done a great job as well. He's been unbelievable for them this year. I think um, he's just levelled up again from what he did at the end of the season for the Hawks last year. So that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. You know, I think if United are going to get an import, I think they need to get a big. And as, as much as the Jalen Adams would be someone that you'd want to bring into your team, I don't know if you really... It's to what they need. Could, could you do both? They're already looking for the yeah. Jordan Carolina replacement. Could could you could you make two changes like that, or is that is that too? Does that rock the boat too much? It's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Um, but you know, I, I think especially for a team like Melbourne, where you have to be successful, especially in that market, I think that uh, it's not out of the realms of possibility. But see what happens. I think um, I think they need to focus on a big before they focus on that. Okay, let's get to Brady Manning and the Perth Wildcats. This is the way I thought we would be starting this week's show. Yeah. It's taken us 15 minutes to get to it, but <laughs> let's get to it now because we, as I've said before, we talked to Scott Ninnis after the loss on Thursday night against the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, and we all sort of came to the consensus that, you know, that was his probably last chance to shine at mm-hmm. home and he hadn't performed, and the Wildcats basically had no choice but to probably cut him this week during the fever break, and all of a sudden... The only way he could change that was to put in a match-winning performance and to, mm-hmm. and to shoot the lights out, and it's exactly what he did on Saturday yeah. night in Adelaide. As soon as he hit the court, he knocked down those two three-pointers, and you could just tell he had that look in his eye. He ended up hitting six for the game, 25 points. He led Perth to the drought-breaking win, first win in six games, and impressively to do it in Adelaide as well. Um, I don't think anyone was personal in their attacks on him. It was just no. that he hadn't been delivering. I don't think anybody wanted him to fail. No one wanted him to lose his job, but the reality was that he wasn't delivering. All of a sudden, he, he did deliver. What did you make of his performance? Oh, it was awesome. It was good to see. And look, we've, we've spoken about him a lot on this show, obviously, and I've kind of been cautious in my criticisms of him because I know he can be so good in this league. You know, I think, like you said, in that loss to Tassie, I think he had... Eight point one rebound, yeah. played under 14 minutes. You know, we didn't see him in the second half really until that last two minutes of the game where it was pretty much over. Definitely thought that was going to be the final straw for him. And then to come out against Adelaide um, and, and do what he did was, was awesome to see. And again, it, it's such a confident sport that, like you said, you see those first two go down for him and then different look in his eye. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not hanging his head because he's not making his shots and... He was just more active from then on, even on the defensive end. You know, he, he still needs to improve a lot there. I think um, his rebounding obviously needs to improve for his size and for what they need. But to have his offense start to flow a bit, I think, is, uh, is really good for them. And I think it's uh, exciting for the league as well because he's, uh, he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. 
Does that lock him in now for this season? Look, I think it certainly helps. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, look, I, I think it certainly saved his job. Um, to be honest, if you're going to cut him, it had to be this week during the break. For sure. You can't cut him after that. No, no, I don't think you can either. <laughs> I see a lot of similarities in his game to your game, Cody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you agree. Do you feel a little bit of an affinity to him because you play very similarly mm. in a lot of ways? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'm not saying your defence is bad. <laughs> no, look, it, uh, yeah, my defence has certainly improved, so don't, don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think especially in this league and, and how talented it is now, that pick-and-pop four-man is, is a major key to, to any lineup, and we've seen it. I mean, again, you see it with Adelaide that both their four men do it and they're dominant as, you know. Even Zave's now starting to be able to step out and, and knock down that three, and once he's humming on the offensive end, I think he's probably the best pick-and-pop shooter, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's no disrespect to DJ who's been doing yeah. it for sure. forever, yeah. but... Realistically, I think he can be that one of the best pop, pick and pop shooters in the league right now. So, yeah, I think um, as, as someone who kind of relies on my shot as well, it's tough when it's not fallen. And, you know, the more that you see kind of rim out or miss or your confidence just takes that little hit, that little hit, that little hit. Realistically, all it takes is one or two to go down like we saw and, uh, and it can just bring that confidence right back. So, uh, yeah, no, good to see, man. Yeah, absolutely was. Okay, let's go through the results from round six in the NBL, Cody. Back on Thursday night, and there's been so much that happened since, since this game, but the Adelaide 36ers got an important win. Mm-hmm. Ended, ended up probably not counting for a lot, given what happened two days later, but 96 to 80 over, unfortunately, the Illawarra Hawks, who remain struggling to be competitive right now. And then Thursday night, we talked a lot about this last week. What would happen if the Wildcats lost at home again? Well, they did. Tasmania Jack Jumpers beat them 85 to 77. Then on Friday night, Cairns Taipans, remar- remarkable performance, not just the win, but to do it by this sort of margin, 97-72 to 72 over Melbourne United. I'll talk to you about what made it so remarkable when we get to that in a little while, Cody. And then the Brisbane Bullets, they're on a winning streak now mm. as well. They beat the Tasmania Jack Jumpers 74-72. to 72. Then like we just talked about, the Perth Wildcats beating the Adelaide 36ers 94-89. to 89. And Then on Sunday... The City Kings made it a bit tougher for themselves than they needed to, but they still beat the New Zealand Breakers 81 to 77. And then again, another team missing a lot of players, the South East Melbourne Phoenix, unfortunately for them. And Melbourne United bounced back, winning the throwdown 110 to 85. Um, Cody, why don't we stick with the Perth Wildcats? Because we talked about Brady Manning, but there's a lot more to like about Saturday night as well, as bad as the signs were after Thursday night when they lost five straight for the first time in. 17 years and remarkably at home they lost nine of the last 13 but just give me your reaction to what happened Thursday night first of all and then what they did better on Saturday night and how much of a pressure reliever that would be yeah look I think Tassie just did what the Wildcats used to do and they just ground it out they just drag you down make it a grind and, and that's exactly what they did you know Perth looked like they didn't really have too much energy and again like like we've mentioned on this multiple times it's really odd to see a Perth Wildcats team especially playing at RAC Arena not have that energy and that um, that fight especially on the defensive end and they lost the rebound count by 16 well and their home court. and that's the other thing and I'm not sure what the rebound count was um, against Adelaide but they, they won it the they won it well there you go and that's it was only by one but yeah they, they won hey, a win a win <laughs> in the rebound counts a win right so they've been out rebounded every single game yep. bar that one and especially for a, a Tassie team that's 
they're not big by any stretch of the imagination. And we touched on it last week where rebounding is such an effort thing that that is kind of what's lacking for the Cats right now. Um, And we certainly saw that against Tassie. Switch over to the weekend where they played Adelaide. They came out with so much more energy. They just looked loose and free and kind of like they had nothing to lose. You know, they just came out swinging. Um, and, yeah, look, just, just their activity. You know, I, I saw that Jesse Wagstaff had called a players-only meeting with them at some point before the game, and he walked out of it saying that he felt good and yeah. felt confident, which is sometimes what you need. You know, you need your leaders to be able to do that. And sometimes when you're in these kind of droughts, coming together and, and telling each other the harsh truths, you know, calling each other out. And that's part of being in the little family that, that you have for this, you know, six, yeah. seven months. And you've got to be able to take it um, and you've got to be able to apply it. And again, going back to like the Randall thing, it's nothing personal, yeah. you know, it, it's for the betterment of the team. And we, we definitely saw that with the way they came out against Adelaide. I think uh, they were really good, a lot more active on defence, just the ball was humming more and it was, um, it, was, it was a lot better to see. It wasn't just Brady Manic either. Corey Webster's best game. Yep. He had 18 points. Probably Tashawn Thomas's best game as well. 12 mm-hmm. points and nine rebounds. Jesse set the tone at the start. He did those, yeah. those couple of threes to start and then Manic replaced him and he hit two more of his threes on his own. And then I didn't need Bryce in the first half for the first time this season. And yep. he stepped up in the fourth quarter and I think he had 12 of his 15 points of the game yep. in the fourth quarter. Yep. Um, you know, they won the rebound count as well. They shot the ball better. You know, they went 15 of 37 from three. Right now, it's a bit of a trend across the league, but they're, the Wildcats are certainly fitting into it. They look to be a better team on the road. Maybe, maybe the pressure of home, mm-hmm. you know, just piles on the pressure a little bit. Mate, it's, it's absolutely wild, the road wins this year. Yeah. It's so crazy. But, yeah, look, they, they do. They, they look more comfortable on the road, like every single team does. It's, it's, um, it's insane. But I think... For this Cats team to be really good, they don't need Bryce to come out and have 20 first-half points, you know. They need guys like Jess coming in, knocking down some threes early. Thomas doing what he did, I thought he's been, I think he's been really good for them. I think people expect him to be an absolute monster for them. It's, I don't think that's his game. I think 12, 9 and 4 is, is the perfect game. If he can average that, he's more than done his job. Absolutely. I think he's overdone what, yeah. what his expectations are. So I think he's been really good for them. If Webster can come off the bench and be that scoring punch like we thought he was going to be, and then you've got to have guys like Todd and Norto come in and, and be effective as well. So, look, I think, I, think it was, I think they were really good, and I think to have Bryce a bit more fresh down the stretch was huge, and that, that makes a big difference for them. Recent games, we've seen Bryce come out and have 20, 24 in that first half and then not be able to sustain it because he's had to carry the workload so early. Yeah, look, I think uh, if they can continue this trend, then I think they'll be right. How much of a relief would it be to go into this break on that, on that, on that win and not a six-game losing streak? Massive, <laughs> massive. I think uh, it wouldn't have been a pretty couple of weeks uh, for the group if, uh, if they had lost that one. But uh, look, it certainly, certainly builds that bit of confidence back into you and being on a one-game winning streak is a lot better than a six-game <laughs> losing streak. Yes. So <laughs> live for that. Cam's tight hands. They were missing four of their four of their rotation players at least. Yeah. So no Sam Waddenberg. They're, they're starting five or four men, whatever you call them. <laughs> him and Pinder. Yeah. Can, can rotate. They're starting point guard to Jim McCall. They're you know they're experienced sharpshooter off the bench, Mirko Jerick in there, and their rookie sharpshooter Jonah Antonio. Four really important players. Mm-hmm. They come out and beat Melbourne United by twenty five points. Yes. Remarkable. 
They were very impressive. They were very impressive and they're the epitome of next man up, that squad. And I think that they've done that so many times in the past. Even even last year they did it, you know. Um, when McCall went out for that mid part of the season, you know, it was just the next man up. Yeah. And I think that uh, yeah, they were a lot of, lot of fun to watch. Mm. You know, they kind of got lucky in catching a Melbourne team that's struggling a bit right now with their identity. And, man, it was just, I think, uh, again, Pinder leading the charge, obviously, yeah. with, with his play and just his effort, I think, is contagious throughout that group. And, yeah, look, they're just fun to watch, man. They're, they're awesome to watch. We're talking about how we thought that their front court would dominate Melbourne's front court. Um, but that was when we thought Wardenberg would still be there. But yeah. even without him, between Keanu Pinder, DJ Hogan, Majuk Deng, they, they scored 45 points between them. Yeah. I mean, that front court... I still I'll maintain that I think Cairns have the best front court in the world. Mm. Uh, look, I, I think you're, you're certainly right. And, I mean, I think for them it was defensively that they got it done, right? And they were able to get out and run. Because Melbourne didn't even look like scoring. They, they didn't look like they could put the ball in the hole. It was a, this was a 40-point game at one point. It was. The it was. Margin was 25. And if it wasn't for the last five minutes being the benches being cleared... Melbourne wouldn't have scored 60 points, no. you know, and it was, it was just a bit of a, a clinic on that end of the floor. So, and again, you know, you, you, see, you see the bigs come out and just dominate. You know, they're agile, they're smart, they can shoot the ball. It's, uh, it's a really good combination that 40's put together there. All right, Cody, let's take a deep breath. When we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about. We'll still get through our awards for this week, and then we'll have a look ahead to the Boomers games this weekend, but let's take a deep breath now after... Pretty hectic first segment. Yep, sounds good. Okay, Cody, we're back on Hoop Seven's basketball hustle. Let's keep going on our, I guess, our main talking points out of the weekend in the NBL. Um, there's been a lot to talk about already, and we haven't even got halfway through yeah. our list here, Cody. Um, Brisbane Bullets, fascinating to get your thoughts. I feel bad for Devon Rick Walker mm-hmm. that he's lost his spot there because he, he worked hard, he deserved his spot. Um, it was a good story that he got another NBL chance, but unfortunately, there's probably just not a role there for him with the Brisbane Bullets, who yeah. have now won three in a row. Yeah, they have. And look, you're right, I, you do feel sorry for him because... You know, he's, he's put in the work. And for those first probably four or five games for the Bullets, I think he was their best player, you know. He came off the bench, he had energy, he was really the only consistent scorer for them. But again, that's kind of while Sobes and Bainesy and, and all those guys were trying to find their touch yeah. again. And it yeah. seems that they've started to find that now. Um, and they're kind of getting back into the groove of things. And, and Sobe's gone from playing 15 minutes to 37 minutes all of a sudden. Which is what we thought would happen. Yeah. So... It's one of those things that he kind of just fell into that hole of you've got three or four guys ahead of you in that spot, and especially taking up an import spot is difficult. So, you know, it sucks to see because, you know, he he came back and came to Perth and and absolutely dominated the NBL 1 West and tried to prove a point that he deserved to be in the league, and and I think he does. I think he just needs to find the right fit, and I hope he does. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one. I mean, we talk about if they would make a play for Joe and Adams. Whether it's Jalen or not, do you think they have to bring somebody in for the rest of the season? It's a tough one. Um, look, I think 
I think with getting rid of him, I think they've got to have something in play mm. at some, you know, in the background somewhere. Not sure who or, or what they're thinking, but I think for them to be a championship contender, I think they need to bring someone in. Yeah. Um, again, I couldn't tell you who or really yeah. what position because yeah. they are a bit of an odd roster. Yeah. That's why I thought maybe the point guard spot's the only yeah. spot that is a... It's not a weakness because you've still got Sobi and Johnson who can handle the ball and yeah. you've got Kadee who's been doing it so well. But maybe it may be a point guard. But, yeah. but really, I mean, they, they definitely don't need a combo guard. I mean, the three and four spots are pretty well taken care of with, mm-hmm. with Krebs and, and Mitchell certainly starting. And then you've got Baines, Froling and Harrison up front. So there's not an obvious, there's not an obvious no. weakness, is there? No, there isn't. And I think for them, it's just trying to gel and, and have that mongrel about it. Maybe they already have enough. I think so. I think so. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in this next week or so in this fever window. But, um, yeah, look, I think they've certainly got all the bases covered. Um, realistically, if, if you wanted to, to get an import, I think if you could find a dynamic three-man, I think is, is probably a spot for them because while Krebs has been, has been playing well in the minutes he's had and DJ Mitchell's been okay, I think if you can find someone that is more of a starter in that, position I think would help them yeah but yeah interesting to see what happens yeah it will be um we touched on Melbourne United before what are your thoughts on their weekend they were they were poor in Cairns but then they bounced back to beat the, the Phoenix on on Sunday but at the same time it was a Phoenix team that didn't have half their team yeah they didn't have Ryan Brokaw, Kyle Adnam or, or Joe Chi so they did what they needed to do and they won by 25 points but what do you think of them right now they're very hit and miss and it's it's an odd Odd thing to see, and like we said, came out and they didn't even look like scoring against Cairns, and then come out and put on 110 points against again a, a depleted Phoenix team. Yeah. I, I think it's tough because you've got a you've got a guy like Tucker who comes in with all the expectations and all the talk, yeah. and then while I think he's been a lot better, and I think his energy's been really good for them, I don't think he's producing for no. what they need. Yeah, look, I think he had a combined 14 over the weekend, yeah. and that was after having 12 points against. Yes, Phoenix. Yeah. So yeah, I think against Kansas, it was two points. He on, struggled. Yeah, two points, one of four, three, well, and four turnovers. Yeah, and he to only take four shots if you know you can claim that you're the best import in the league <laughs> is not ideal. Mm. But you know, again, it, it's a difficult thing, and you've got to have someone pretty much waiting in the wings if you're gonna if you're gonna sack someone like that. So yeah, look, we we probably saw the worst and the best of mm. Melbourne over the weekend. Tough one. It was good to see Goulding firing again. Yeah. It was it was yeah. fun to see and. Gazy talking about his stank face, which was uh, very interesting, and, and I loved every second of that. But um, yeah, look, they're they're an interesting squad. But I think once Illy really finds his way into the rotations again, because he still isn't right, yeah. which which you can tell, and that's just going to take games to to get right. I think they'll be better off. How good was it to see the commentary team back courtside again for so that good. Melbourne, Melbourne throwdown? It it makes a difference. It does. It's huge, and you know, I think. Now we can start to have that happen again. Yeah. I don't see why we couldn't. Yeah, yeah it, it does. It makes a huge difference because, you know, the guys do really well in the commentary yeah. considering they're not at the games. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of see what we see. Yeah. Some of the times they're caught up talking and miss something yeah. and I'll be sitting there like, no, no, you're <laughs> talking about the wrong thing here. It's yeah. this, this and this. But being at the games, you can see that. You can feel the atmosphere yeah. of, the, of the arena and it, and it comes through in the commentary. So it was really good to see and I hope that going forward that it's not just the uh, Melbourne games that have that happen. Yeah, I, I would love to see it. I think it does add something significant to the coverage, but money talks sometimes, it unfortunately, does. as well. Yep. Um, Sydney Kings, 
they're the reigning champs and they're sitting on top of the table, Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to pick too many weaknesses up in what they're doing right now, but why can't they hit a free throw? Oh, and it, it almost cost them the game against the New Zealand Breakers because yeah. all they needed to do was hit half their free throws down the line and they could have iced that game, but all of a sudden they left the door open. They and did. They missed six free throws between Justin Simon and Derek Walton in the last two minutes, yep. which kept the door open for the Breakers, and the Breakers got back within two points all yep. of a sudden because of it. Um, and the idea why they just can't hit a free throw. I mean, Xavier Cooks has been struggling all season long, but yep. even guys who you expect to be good shooters like Sean Bruce is, is struggling. He's struggling, and all of a sudden Justin Simon, who before Sunday's game had been shooting 88% from the line, mm. he goes one of nine. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you think? It's a mental thing, man. It's a mental thing. Because again, like you talk about Simon, who's 88% for the season and then comes in and goes one of nine. <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like that is just crazy. Is it pressure? Look, I don't think so. Mm. It's, these guys don't really feel that a whole lot at this point of the season, I think. You, you obviously do, but as the pros, and especially guys like Walton and... Simon, Brucey, yeah. these guys have been there, done that. So, yeah. you know, this is nothing new to them. Yeah. It's all mental. You know, you just got to walk up there and knock it down. Mm-hmm. Go through your routine, yeah. go up there, knock it down. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating and it's one of those things that kind of snowballs away from you as well. They will come out and have a game where they don't miss from the free throw mm-hmm. line soon, I'm sure. But that's uh, about the only chink in their armour right yeah, now because they've been uh, going about their business very nicely yeah. so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if that's your only chink in the armour, that's a good thing to have. But at the same time, it's now far enough into the season where it's not just a, an anomaly. It is an actual problem. And I, th- I feel like Chase Buford at the start thought it would just fix itself. Yep. And then all of a sudden he went perhaps too far and made a big issue of it with his team and they worked extra hard on it. And it has had the other effect where maybe they're thinking now too much about it. Yeah. How do you try to fix it? It's tough. It's tough. But look... There's two things that win you and lose you games and championships, and that's offensive rebounding and free throws, mm. right? They need to get this fixed. Yep. They have to get it fixed. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to cost them late in the season. Yep. It'll cost them throughout the season. It'll cost them where they end up sitting on the ladder, and then come finals time, it will cost them a game. And if that's something that is going to happen to you, that's, that's brutal for a team this talented. So, look, I think it's just something that they need to keep working on. You know, if... If you're a professional basketball player and you know that you're struggling from the foul line, if you're not doing extra work on that, then, you know, there's something. So How do you you make sure you're doing the right work? Because you can just step out on an empty court and take your free throws and you might make 98 out of 100. But how do you replicate the pressure of a game when you're practicing? You can't, really. (laughs) It's tough to do. You know, it it really is tough to do. But repetition is such a massive thing, Mm -hmm. especially from the foul line. It's all muscle memory at that point. Once you get to this point in your career, it should be muscle memory anyway. And you should be able to walk up, knock it down. I'd say just go through your routine every time. Mm -hmm. Step up, go through your routine, make sure it's the same every time so you're not thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. You're just thinking about making it, right? It's, it's It's such a mental part of the game that, yeah, it just needs to be repetitions, I think. Last thing in this little segment, um, uh, well, Xavier Cooks, it was unfortunate to see him hurt his ankle. Let's hope that, mm. I guess, by the time the season resumes next week, he's right to go. Unfortunately, it means he won't play for the Boomers this week. Yep. But the other injury out of that same game was Rayan Rupert, yep. the next star from the New Zealand Breakers. And I haven't heard the results of his scans yet, but they expected straight away that he had broken his broken. wrist. And it's horrible news for him because it, he's trying to get ready for the NBA, but at the same time, I think that if it ends up being an injury like that, 
Okay, we'll see him again. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you there. I think that's tough. It, it sucks. You know, you hate seeing players go down, but especially like with the next star guys that are working their way to, to the NBA draft and all that sort of stuff. So it's brutal. But look, I think if, you, if it is broken, which about 99% sure it is after the way it happened and how he acted on it. And sure. I think he's done for, for New Zealand, which, which is unfortunate. Like, like, I think within six weeks he could be back healthy. Yeah. But I just think that his management team tells him that... Probably to pull back. He, yeah. He can't come back. And we've seen that with next stars before. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. But, you know, you've, you've got bigger things that they're looking to the future to. So, and that's just part of it. You know, that is part of that next star program. And that's, you know, part of why they implemented it. So... It, it sucks to see. There goes our Rookie of the Year <laughs> predictions, mate. <laughs> yes, yes, unfortunately. He has been doing a good job on, yeah. that, on that team. His numbers hadn't stood out, but I think his actual performance yeah. was, were a lot more impressive than his numbers were. Yeah. If he's got a season-ending injury now and RL Hakporty has already, does that does that hurt the next star program moving forward at all? Um, look, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Injuries are such a big part of sport that I don't think that... It could happen anywhere. Well, that's it, you know. It's not like it's people going out to hurt these kids at all, you know. It's, it's two kind of freak accidents and part of sport, you know. It can happen anywhere you play. So, look, I, I wouldn't expect it would hurt it. All right, Cody, before we get to our awards and we find out who Damo was impressed with in his best defensive player, we hear from Matty Knight and Scott Ninnis as well. Any last thoughts on what we saw in a pretty eventful round six of the NBL? Well, we did say that there was uh, lots to get through, mate. But mm. uh, look, I think we uh, certainly covered all bases. I think the big thing is seeing what moves some of these teams are going to do over this FIBA window because uh, it could be uh, season-changing for some of them. Absolutely. Okay, when we come back, we'll get through our awards and then Cody will wrap up the show and have a look ahead to the Boomers games this weekend. Sounds good. Okay, Cody, let's take a quick break from normal hostilities on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Get to our awards segment now after round six in the NBL. And let's take stock about how things are sitting in our awards as well. Let's begin with the Player of the Year Award, thanks to Hoops Heaven. And these votes obviously cast by the Nightmare Matty Knight, the three-time NBL champion, 236 game veteran, the best power forward of his generation. So he's he's well-placed to cast his... His thoughts on on the player of the year this year in the NBL, and we chat to Matty next week as well, and we'll catch up over our over the bit of a break that we'll have to take stock on the season and, and get Matty's thoughts on how the season's shaping up. And I hope everyone enjoyed when we when he stepped in for Cody to be the co-host a couple of weeks ago, and we were able to pick his brains because he's he's got an he's got a an underrated basketball brain, does Matty Knight? So always enjoy picking his brains, and I always enjoy giving you you our listeners the chance to. To hear from him. So he's cast his votes again for round six in the NBL. He watched all of the action very closely. And and it's fair to say he liked what the big guys did across across his past weekend. And he, he's obviously well-placed to, to judge the, the big men in the league, given how good he was in that in that role. So let's get to his votes in the Hoop 7 Player of the Year Award for 
round six in NBL 23. It started the Brisbane Bullets for for Matty Knight, and it went to Aaron Baines, the the big fellow. He's, he's building some momentum there at the Bullets, and so is his team. They've now won three in a row for the Brisbane Bullets, and Aaron Baines is having a significant impact. Again, 16 points, nine rebounds, and just such a such an imposing presence. And, you know, once he builds up his tank, once he's able to play 30-plus minutes a game, if he's able to, his impact will skyrocket even further because what he's doing now in 23 or 24 minutes is already significant. So he's got the one vote for this week in the Player of the Year Award. The two votes went to, went to the Adelaide 36ers and all based on what he did on Thursday night because Daniel Johnson's had a bit of a quiet season so far and... He's probably been the biggest casualty of Craig Randall taking up a lot of time with the ball in his hands and a lot of shots. And unfortunately, DJ's numbers are at a career low for his time in Adelaide, where he's a unbelievably a seven-time club MVP. But on Saturday, on Saturday night, he didn't see the ball a lot once again. Once Randall was back in the lineup, and I'm sure that'll change now moving forward, where he only was able to take four shots. But back to Thursday night against the Illawarra Hawks and. And DJ was just at his unstoppable best. He was he was fantastic, and the Hawks had no no answer for him. He went twenty eight points, seven rebounds, four assists, shot eleven of fourteen from the field, went four of six from three point land. It was it was just DJ at his absolute best, and and Matty Knight liked what he saw and gave him the two votes in the Player of the Year award. As for the three votes, we've gone back to the Sydney Kings, and the man and the man who there's a lot of talk about now with the potential of Jalen Adams wanting to come back to the NBL, but. The man that's replaced him at the Sydney Kings is Derek Walton Jr. And he just continues to deliver. So there's certainly no need for the Kings to be looking to make a move. And and again, um, a really solid game from Walton on the weekend, just leading that group as the as, as the point guard and, and the general. And, you know, he finally ended up hitting the two crucial free throws at the end of that game to, to seal the deal. So Derek Walton Jr. with the, the three votes in the play of the year award and the four votes... We've gone back to the Adelaide 36ers and, and probably their biggest untapped resource so far this season is Robert Franks. And he started to, to find his groove this past week in the NBL. And he started on Thursday night in that win over the Hawks where he produced 25 points, six rebounds, four assists, 11 to 15 shooting from the field. And he was he was outstanding. And then he was able to back it up as well. Despite Adelaide losing on Saturday night to the Perth Wildcats, Franks... Had another another good game, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 11 of 19 shooting. So if you're going for 49 points with 15 rebounds across a weekend while shooting at a really impressive clip, 22 of 34 from the field, I think it's going to get you in the votes most weeks. And that's certainly the case this week. And Matty Knight has gone four votes to Robert Franks. And the five votes... It's up to Cairns, up to the far north, and it goes to Keanu Pinder, who is just having a breakout season on the back of having a breakout season last year. He was already the most improved player last season in the NBL, and he has to be leading that category once again because he's taken himself up into the elite category in the NBL, and he was a dominant force against Melbourne United in that big win. 18 points, 11 rebounds, just the energy he provided, the physicality he provided, and Melbourne United had absolutely no answer for him, and... That's why he's got five votes in the Player of the Year Award thanks to Hoops, Hoops Heaven for this week. And Matty Knight cast those votes. Let's take a quick look at his leaderboard now, six rounds into the season. And it's Derek Walden Jr. from the Sydney Kings leading the way on 12 votes. And full credit to him because, as, we, as we've talked about, he had to step into the shoes of Jalen Adams. And now, you know, there's the potential of Jalen coming back into the league or wanting to at least as, as his time in 
in Serbia came to an end. So uh, Derek Walden leading the way on the Hoop 7 Play of the Year leaderboard with 12 votes. Mitch Creek is in second place from the South East Melbourne Phoenix on nine. And then we've got Milton Doyle of the Jack Jumpers, Will McDowell-White of the Breakers, and Xavier Ratten-Mays and Keanu Pinder on the five votes. And on four votes, Kyle Adam of the Phoenix, Josh Majette of the Jack Jumpers, Craig Randall of the 36ers on four. He won't be adding to those. Robert Franks now on four as well. So there we go. There's the leaderboard in the Player of the Year Award, thanks to Matty Knight, and made possible thanks to Hoops Heaven. Now we'll get to the Damo Award, the best defensive player in the NBL, obviously, thanks to Damian Martin, the defensive legend himself. He's happy enough to provide us with his votes throughout this NBL season once again, and he cast his mind across round six once more, and... Saw some defensive performances he liked, and it started at the Sydney Kings. And Justin Simon, previous winner of the Damian Martin Trophy, back when he was at the Laura Hawks, has joined the Sydney Kings this season, and he's having quite the impact as well. And we know what a great defender he is. We know how quick his hands are. We know how he loves to get in the in the lanes and cause disruption and get out and run as well. And he's doing a lot of that right now, and he got the one vote this week from Damian Martin, the Best Defensive Player Award. Two votes. We went to the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, and Matt Kenyon helped do a de- terrific defensive performance for the Jack Jumpers on Thursday night in Perth against Bryce Cotton and the Perth Wildcats, and then he backed up again with a pretty solid performance despite the loss to the Brisbane Bullets on Saturday night. And despite it being his his first votes in the Damo Award for this season, I don't think it'll be the last time Manny Kenyon having quite the impact for the Jack Jumpers once at once again and lead, help, helping to lead their charge. And the three votes went to the South East Melbourne Phoenix. And speaking of impact, this big fella's settling in very nicely to life in the NBL now with the South East Melbourne Phoenix. He's a, he's a powerhouse. He's unstoppable when he gets under the ring at the offensive end and defensively he's having quite the impact as well. Alan Williams, big source from the Phoenix with the three votes in the Damo Award this week and yeah, hard to argue with the defensive legend Damien Martin. So thank you to him for his votes once again this week. Let's take a quick look at his leaderboard before we get to get to Scott Ninnis. And Xavier Cook's on top of the leaderboard still from the Sydney Kings with the five votes. And then we've got a bunch of players on the three votes. We've got Bryce Cotton, Isaac Humphreys, Jordan Hunter, Xavier Ratten-Mays, Alan Williams and Justin Simon all on the three votes in the Damo Awards. So things very tight. Damo seeing a lot that he's liking defensively across the league this year and we'll keep on track of that. But now when we come back, We'll hear from Scott Ninnis. We'll get his Galen Award winner for this week, the best team man, but we'll also have to find out from him what he thinks is happening at the Adelaide 36ers. Okay, I'm back with Scott Ninnis now to to get his Galen Award winner for this week. But before we do, Scott, how are you holding up after Saturday night? Because we caught up with, with Cody last week. And you, you were nervous about what might happen on Saturday night, but you were you were finding it hard to find a way to see how Adelaide would lose the game as well. It, it d- didn't go to plan. No, that, that would be <laughs> fair to say, though. It's, uh, it, it really didn't go to plan. It was a, it was a bitterly disappointing game. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got to be honest, at, at that point in time, I'd, I enjoyed watching the way they played against the Illawarra. The ball movement was so much better. And, uh, you know, we, we made a focus on, you know, Robert Franks and, and Daniel Johnson. And, uh, yeah, the, with, uh, with one addition, that sort of went out the window again on Saturday night. And uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen the wash-up of, of that now. But, look, it was 
disappointing game. I, I didn't think, um, yeah, I, I didn't think the Wildcats were, you know, you know were were great either. Um, but obviously, they did what they needed to do. I was very nervous, and I, I said to my mate that I was sitting next to at three quarter time. I said, "What concerns me most about this game is that Bryce Cotton's only got three points." And uh, yeah, lo and behold, I, I hate it when I'm right. You know, like he just, uh, you know, he made the big plays, and um, you know, we, we've had this nasty habit at times of. Uh, Playing uh, teams and players back mm. into form over yeah. over a number of years yeah. with the 36ers, and uh, you know I think we start to do that again on Saturday night, and um, you know hopefully now you know moving forward there's more positive outlook with the team, and we can uh, start stringing a few wins together. No, you've been saying that over the last three years that for some reason Adelaide <laughs> just loves to loves to loves to love to play a struggling team into form, and that was the case again. Before I get your thoughts on Craig Randall, um, we spoke about Brady Manick the other the other day as well. And the three of us had a consensus that the Wildcats didn't have much of a choice to probably part ways with him unless he did something remarkable on Saturday night, and he did. He did, and and you know he probably you know he, he, it's interesting, isn't it? Pressure's a funny thing. I mean, he'd hear the noise too. He, you know, who knows if the, maybe the club had even spoken to him, and and you know some people will go into their shell, and other people will just go, well, you know what, bugger it, we're just gonna I'm just gonna come out and uh, throw caution to the wind, and and. Once again, we gave him some easy looks early on, which yeah, you don't want to do that with guys that can shoot the ball because it's only going to take one or two to drop and then all of a sudden they've got it going. And that, that certainly happened with him. And I guess now it sort of makes it it makes it a bit difficult to make a move after having a game like that and, and you know, beating a team like Adelaide on the road. So it'd be interesting to see if, if, there, if there is any movement there. But, uh, yeah, certainly he was, uh, he was very good on Saturday night. Now, when I asked you the other day if you thought there was any chance that the 36ers might move on Craig Randall, I don't think you felt like it was a, a genuine possibility. Um, well, it's happened now. What was your reaction when you found out? Uh, happiness. <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think it was, you know, it was, it was all there for everyone to see. I mean, it, you know, you don't have to talk about what went on behind the scenes, but, you know, 9,000 people can see that, you know, during at a home game, you know, just the body language and the, you know, the, the, the lack of effort and the arguing with the teammates and um, it was really poor and, and you could see the impact that it's had on the other players as well. So, you know, there was some stuff that did happen behind the scenes and, um, you know, you've obviously heard the reaction he had when he was told he wasn't starting on yeah. Saturday night. And uh, look, I just just hope that you know he can go away and and you know get his head together because we've seen what he's capable of doing, and he he can make shots that most people in the world can't make. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, we saw that at the end of half time with that that <laughs> shot he hit on Wagstaff to beat the buzzer. So, you know, you just want to hope that, you know, he goes somewhere where, you know, he, he, he fits into a team culture and, um, you know, gets gets it together because um, otherwise, you know, these sort of problems are going to continue to plague him. But from a, from a 36 point of view, it's, it can only be a good thing. You know, guys will get settled back into their roles. The ball will be better. They, you know, you won't have people worried about what's going to blow up at any given time. So, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what happens moving forward about replacing him or not. I haven't heard anything like that. I personally, I, I think you could, you know, you've got a couple of weeks break now to sort of get things right, get back on the training track. And I wouldn't even mind if they played four or five games with the current group that they've got and, and got a, you know established roles, got everybody moving in the same direction. Yeah, you know, and you I saw say how that they looked on Thursday night without him. 
Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that wasn't for the entire game. We can't get too carried away mm. with that. But certainly the ball movement was much, much better. Now, I, I, I say that about playing four or five games without him. But, you know, if you do have the possibility of, you know, getting uh, Jalen Adam, for example, or someone of that calibre in, well, obviously you would do it. But, you know, I, I'd like to see him not rush just to get a replacement. Let, let's just settle down, you know, get back to playing some good team basketball, get some wins on the board, and then... If, if we do need that extra bit of shot in the arm, we'll have more opportunity to see where it's needed and what, what type of player. Yep, no, totally agree, Scott. All right, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's get to the reason why we've got you back on the show this week. For the, the winner of the Galen Award from this round in the NBL, for the guy who was the best team man, so the guy who had the biggest impact probably on helping his team, his team win a game. And I have a feeling, Scott, we might be going up to the far north because not only did the Cairns Taipans beat Melbourne United, they hammered them by 25 points and... It might have been a guy that you're pretty familiar with that led the charge. Yeah, and, and, and this to me is, is not not just on this week. I think his whole season. You know, what Keanu Pinder's done this year, he made, he made uh, you know, huge strides last year. And what he's done this year is basically become you know, the best centre in the competition. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I might have mentioned it last week. If you're picking the All-Star 5 now, he's probably in it. So I've just been really happy for him. It wasn't a great rookie year he had here in Adelaide and, and there were struggles and, you know, whether he's being used correctly or incorrectly is, is beside the point. But to see him to be able to, you know, really become a top-line player in this uh, in this league, is I've been really, really happy for him. I sent him a message last week just to congratulate him and it's uh, it's been great to see. So, yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm going to uh, give him the award for this week, and I think it's very well deserved. Absolutely, it is. So, well done to Keanu Pinder. Before I let you go, Scott, how are you travelling? I believe the Premium Wine Tours business might be picking back up after basically being decimated during COVID. In a big way, mate. I'm, I'm driving back from the Barossa today. I was looking after a couple from the US that live in Dubai, and uh, just tr- driving back out. The weather has started to really bed nice in the last couple of days which helps with people travelling that. In saying that, as I'm driving back into the city limits now, there's uh, there's lightning over towards the beach, so I'm not quite sure gee, we've had, we've had some weird weather but yeah, you know, the last couple of days it's been 30 degrees and probably more of what you'd expect from Adelaide at this time of the year, but yeah, you know, there might be a little bit more rain on the horizon, but in saying all that yeah, I'm sort of back to back to normal uh, out most days at the minute and yeah, just it's very exciting. I've forgotten how much I missed uh, you know, travelling around wine country and uh, you know showing off you know the stunning world class wines that we've got uh, you know not just uh, you know Aussies but now as the international markets coming starting to come back that's that's been really exciting well no fantastic to hear Scott glad to hear it's going well and thanks for your thoughts once again and once the NBL action resumes we'll be back in touch looking forward to it Chris anytime. Okay, I'm back with Cody now here on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle, and much shorter preview segment for this week, Cody, because we don't have a round of NBL to look forward to. But when we do come back next week, I'm going to give you a bit of homework to do, Cody, and we're going to do a bit of a, a bit of a review of our season awards that we did at the start of the season, and see if you might have might have changed a lot of your a lot of your thoughts from what we said ahead of round one to what we've now seen after after six rounds. So yep. we'll go through what our awards might be at this point of the season and also just have a quick run through of what we've made of, of each team next week because we won't have games to review. So <laughs> we'll, 
we'll have to fill in our time somehow, <laughs> um, Cody. So um, we've got that to look forward to next week. A couple of games for the Australian Boomers this, this week. Friday night they play in Kazakhstan, and then Monday night they play against Iran in a couple more World Cup qualifiers. Two teams you'd expect them to beat comfortably. But yep. um, four NBL players, to a lot of them are probably craving a break right now, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden... If you're in the Boomers team, you're flying across the world to play two games in in three days in foreign countries, and yeah. in some cases, you've then only got a couple of days back home before round seven starts. Yeah. How much of a challenge is that? Oh, very much so. Very much so, but any chance you get to represent your country, you you jump at it. So, look, I think um, some of those guys probably needing a bit of a break, but... This time of year, it's not usual that you get a, a break in a season, so yeah. I think uh, I think they'll be fine. It's probably too late to add players to the squad, so they've already lost a couple of players um, as well, so they're, they're a little bit short on numbers to go on the tour as well. Does that make any sort of an impact? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, especially against the two teams that they're playing, you'd expect them to go out and, really, you'd expect them to go out and dominate. So, you know, not having that deep bench, I think, is going to be an issue because you'd have guys probably playing more minutes than they need be. Yeah. What sort of a scoreline are you expecting in these two games? Oh, First against Kazakhstan and Iran, Cody? Oh, I can't even picture it, mate. <laughs> I think, like I said, I think they should go out and dominate. And you've got guys leading from the front like Nick Kay, who are yeah. uh, some of the world's best can struggle to guard mm. guys like that. So well, He had a great World Cup, didn't he? Well, he did, he did. Well, how good is it to see guys that aren't involved in the NBL still put their hands up to, to play these games? And in, in cases like Nick Kay, it's our only chance to see him really, really play at the moment. Yeah, for sure. And I think it proves how special it is to put that green and gold on. And... Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see them. I haven't really had a chance to to see where how they've been going this season, but uh, it'll be good to see them uh, representing the country again. Look forward to that. And if you are looking for some local basketball action, obviously this week WNBL has started now as well. So make sure you you check that out this weekend. It's a good chance for the WNBL to, I guess, grab some of the spotlight without mm-hmm. the NBL this week. So yeah. check out round two two of that this weekend if you if you get the chance. Hopefully the TV coverage picks up a little bit, <laughs> yeah, Cody, yep. but I think the on-court action was pretty good across round one in general. Um, all right, that's been a, a lot to get through, Cody, in this week's show. Thanks for joining me once again, and thank you to Hoop7 for making it possible. Why don't we wrap up with this week with what's something you expect to see a team do over the next week for us to talk about when we come back next week? Um, I, I expect that we'll have at least one import. One new import in this uh, coming into a team. I'm not not sure who yet, but I, I expect at least one new import coming in. It'd be lovely if it was Jalen Adams. That'd be fantastic. Would would love to see him back, but uh, we'll see what happens.